You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Bustin' Bust Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. Episode 70 of Boston Loose Baseball, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. Toby, why don't we start by looking back. Back-to-back NL West teams coming into town. The Nats take five out of six, and they did so with a couple dramatic come-from-behind wins over the Rockies in as many days, including one of my favorite wins of the year, down three runs in the ninth. They draw four walks. Daniel Bard walks the yard, and C.J. Abrams comes through with his first walk-off hit of the season. That's one thing that they've done so well this year, is even when they've struggled, even when they've been down big, they always seem to make a game of it, or at least they fight till the end, and that's something that you saw in that Rocky series. That could have easily been a sweep the other direction. It seemed like maybe they were coming off the high of finally sweeping someone in the Giants, and seemed like, okay, well, maybe it's going to go the exact opposite direction here for them. You lose the first game, and it doesn't look great in the second game, and then they come back late. And then the same thing in the third game of the series. You're down late. Looks like it's probably going to be over, and they come back again. So this team is really scrappy. They fight really hard, and you know, as much as we like to give Davey Martinez flack for a lot of things, and I don't know how much you can even get on his managerial decisions this year with the roster that he's been given, but – they always fight to the end. And that's something that I think Davey is very good at is making sure that these guys are motivated, making sure that these guys understand that they're big league ball players and need to go out there and give their best effort and give it to the very end until, you know, that last out is made. And every single night, you know, this team's going to fight if nothing else. Yeah. It's been a hallmark really of his entire time to your point with the nationals. And I think it is a testament to him and it speaks well to his style, not just in game managerially, but, you know, the type of clubhouse he has. And while sometimes some of the platitudes or the axioms can be you know, a little bit cringe when things aren't going well, or you can kind of roll your eyes and be cynical about you know, winning today's game and going 1-0 today and all those little things, uh, this team does absolutely keep a pretty positive outlook and, and battle and scrap in games, which is good to see. All right, let's start. Trade market is developing all over Major League Baseball, and we're seeing moves made here. Uh, deep into the week now as we approach the weekend. 
All has been quiet as we tape on the Nationals front, although there are rumors that they have touched base with a plethora of teams on Jamer Candelario. Uh, John Paul Morosi linked the Angels to Candelario. I've seen several folks saying the Yankees have talked to the Nationals about Jamer as well. Uh, he is about 360 at-bats into his season. He's got 16 homers and a 255 average, an 817 OPS. He's played above-average defense. It has been a truly t- terrific year for him on a one-year deal on the cheap year for the Nationals. Uh, I think they got everything they were hoping for and then some. You know, How many times have we talked, Toby, the last couple of years about them thinking, well, let's buy low on this guy, whoever it is, bring them in, hope that they play well and we'll flip them at the deadline. And they had a pretty low batting average on some of those choices. You know, guys like Nelson Cruz come to mind. This one has worked out beautifully, though, and it's about to pay off. They're going to get a mid-level prospect, perhaps. Who knows? On a, on a pretty bleak market, maybe they do a little better than that for Candelario as a rental who's been outstanding. Yeah, I mean, even look at what they did this past season. They did it with Candelario. To an extent, they've done it with Dominic Smith, and it's not that Dominic Smith is going to have a big trade market. So even on him, it hasn't necessarily paid off if that's what they were looking to do. So they have gone and done this over the last couple of years, and it hasn't worked out as well. Nelson Cruz, I think, is the best example of that. You thought that, you know, why is this guy even coming to D.C.? What is he doing here? You can probably trade him at the deadline is all, and then it just didn't work out. Jamer Candelario has been everything that you've expected and more. And so now you can get something decent for him and we'll see what exactly happens here. But, you know, I think with the Nationals being clear sellers, Jamer Candelario being one of the top bats on the market in terms of third baseman infielders. I mean, the Yankees, I think, are in, like you said, the Angels have been linked. The Brewers, we mentioned a couple podcasts ago, maybe could be in, you know, so you might not expect a big haul back for him, but you know, you got a couple teams bidding for him. Maybe you can get that price up just a little bit. So instead of getting, you know, you just get a little higher quality prospect. So I'm interested to see where he goes, but wherever he does go, I'm going to cheer for him. And I think he's going to make a big impact for this ball, whatever ball club he goes to. I think a big key too, and this was not something that was anticipated when he came over necessarily, because he had not been particularly good the last two or so years defensively. You know, last year, He was in the 8th percentile and outs above average. In 2021, he was in the 35th percentile and outs above average. you got to go back to the pandemic year of 2020 to find the last time he played a really good defensive third base, according to some of the advanced metrics. Well, in outs above average, he's in the 92nd percentile this year. So I think something that's going to add to his value and make a team more interested in him is if you are a team with ground ball pitchers, you know, guys that get the ball hit on the ground. If your infield defense has not been good, this is a player that is going to uh, be an anchor and really upgrade your third base position. I would also add in Jamer Candelario's defense, so to speak, in terms of what his overall value is. I know it's just a rental, so the the ceiling comes down and what you're going to get back comes down because it's, you know, you're talking about one postseason in just a couple of months for a guy that may or may not stay hot in a new organization. He is an awesome veteran leader. And we've talked about this on the podcast, but I have really grown to like this guy a lot as a person. And, and I don't mean in the clubhouse interacting with him. I've had very limited interactions with him this season a couple times in passing. What I mean is watching him closely at Nats Park on TV, his interactions with his teammates, particularly the young guys on the team, the way he uh, will talk to guys in the on-deck circle or grab you know, Luis Garcia, whoever it is, as they're walking up to the plate and kind of whisper something in their ear. He is engaged. I think he cares about 
his teammates and the ball club more than just you know caring about himself. He is a, a team player. Like all of those things are, are winning traits and qualities. And I think will help whatever contender, whatever suitor is looking at him. I hope they bake that into the equation because I think it's part of why he's been such an asset to the Nationals this year. Yeah, I completely agree. He's a great leader. You talked about his defense. I mean, like you mentioned, this isn't a guy that you expected to come in defensively and be an impact player, but he has been. I mean, if it weren't for Nolan Arenado winning the gold glove every single year at third base, he might be in consideration for a gold glove. And the other thing, too, that you have to consider, he's not as great of a hitter against lefties, but he is a switch hitter. You know, 865 OPS this year against right-handed pitching, only 714 against lefties. But this is a guy that you can leave in the lineup no matter what you're facing, left or right, doesn't really matter. And so he's going to be a good player. You can play every single day. You can plug him in at third base, like we said, good defensively. So wherever he ends up going, I think that they're going to get someone that's really going to help them going forward defensively. He's going to be someone that if wherever you need to bat him, if you need to bat him up in the order, he's been effective up there. If you just need some pop towards the bottom or middle of the order, that works as well. So I think that he's going to be a very good piece for whoever decides to trade for him. Yeah, I'll be curious to see. He has struggled a little bit since the All-Star break, and he's had a couple of uh, quick respites where he got hit by pitches and things where he was out of the lineup. But he is technically overall now uh, just seven for his last 34, which is about a 205 average going into the Mets series. But he's driven the baseball, and that's been a big deal. He's got three home runs and nine RBI in 10 games and 850 OPS. So it's not as though I think a team will look at how he's performing and be bothered by that. In fact, if you look at July, he's got an 885 OPS, which is his second highest month of the season. But he's been pretty consistent. I mean, since May, a 911 OPS. In June, 825. In July, 885. Uh, he has been pretty steady, and, and the power has really come in droves. Uh, since the first month or so of the season. So we know he's getting dealt. We don't know where. Uh, let's call our shot. Let's take a guess here as we're, I mean, it could we could find out, you know, he gets removed from the game tonight as we're taping on Thursday, and he could be on the move any point between now and the deadline. Where do you think he ends up? I just feel like the Yankees can sell themselves on not having to give up a top prospect, bringing in a guy that can help a third base with Donaldson being on the shelf for quite some time with that calf strain and then getting Judge back at some point soon as well from injury, and you basically add a huge impact bat, obviously, in Judge, and you bring in a good bat in Jamer Candelario, and that can be your push for the postseason without really having to push all your chips in. So I would say the Yankees make the most sense to me. Yeah, I was going to go New York as well, I guess, in the interest of not uh, giving them to the Yankees just to mix it up. I'll say Angels or Brewers. We've heard them linked to the Angels quite a bit. I brought up the Brewers kind of on my own a couple of weeks ago. I think that would be you know, a really good fit and the type of ball club where I think he could uh, help them. They, they need offense, obviously, and I think he could provide some of it. Uh, elsewhere for the Nationals, a couple of other trade deadline thoughts. Uh, is there another player? Let's say Candelario's a lock. We know he's getting moved. Let's say they trade one other player at the deadline. Who do you think it would be? Probably Kyle Finnegan. If anyone, I, I feel like they want to hold on to those guys if they can, but I feel like one of the relievers is getting moved and I don't think it's going to be Harvey now that he's on the IL and dealing with some injury issues. And I don't think it's going to be Edwards because I don't know that he's going to have time to come back from the IL either and show that he's healthy before he gets dealt. And, you know, the trade deadline is just in a couple of days now. So I think one of the relievers would, but I think it's got to be Finnegan because he's the only one that's really, truly healthy right now. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm going to say Ildemaro Vargas. Uh, I think people will be surprised if he gets moved because, let's be honest, I mean, it's he's such a minor role player. I mean, on he's such a, a, on the bench on this team. <laughs> yeah, on a bad team, right? But if you look at it, I mean, he actually does a couple things pretty well. Uh, he puts the ball in play. Like, he can give you a pretty quality late inning at bat. And teams often are looking for defensive versatility right now. And he can play a bevy of positions. You know, part of the reason, I think, why he doesn't play a lot for the Nationals is that uh, at 32 years old, like, he's not in their future plans and this is a rebuild. So you don't want to play him over C.J. Abrams, nor should you. But there were times where he would have given you a better defense at shortstop potentially, or, you know, you don't want to play him at second or whatever position you might move him to. So I think you'll get very little back. I just think it's a possibility uh, they could move him. And I think people will be surprised, but he's actually hitting 270. He's got a league average OPS on the season. And he's the kind of guy that doesn't strike out. So if you're a team that needs a contact hitter off the bench or someone who could just put the ball in play, I could see that. I like the idea of trading relief pitching, my concern right now, and I'm pretty cutthroat. If I was a GM, I would say, you know, with all due respect, the rest of my season be damned. Sorry about your luck, Nats Park fans. Uh, I'm going to add to my minor league system. But their bullpen is in such shambles, and we've talked about the state of this pen, even though it's kind of steadied some. I think if you were to trade Finnegan now, getting to the finish line would be pretty bleak of this 162-game season. I mean, he is right now like all you got with Harvey and Edwards not having been healthy and available uh, frequently over the last couple of weeks, you're just kind of praying which Mason Thompson comes out when that door opens or, you know, who, who is going to pitch today and how bad is it going to get other than Kyle Finnegan? Uh, we saw a really good outing with a lot of rest for uh, Andres Machado, who's back in the big leagues with a couple of strikeouts. I thought that was encouraging. Like the, the La Sorsa inning that he had in the final game against the Rockies, uh, was really good. Weems has actually been awesome more often than not. So maybe they could say, oh, we'll piece this thing together. Who cares how bad we are? But to some extent, you want to continue to develop and help Josiah Gray and Mackenzie Gore and Jake Irvin and, frankly, even some of the pen uh, arms that might be options next year, whether that's Weems or uh, Jose Ferrer. And, you know, if you move on from Finnegan, it, it just changes everyone's roles a little bit, in particular to the starters it kind of makes their life a little bit harder in terms of some of the expectations and pressure. So I'd love to to see them move Finnegan, who's controllable, because I think they could get something back. I just don't think they will because of how bad things have gotten in the bullpen. Well, and you've heard Mike Rizzo talk about this, where they want to start creating that winning culture again. And it's kind of hard to create a winning culture when you can't trust a single arm out of your bullpen if Harvey and Edwards are on the shelf. So I do completely agree with that. Now, you know, if you get a great deal, you have to do it. But if you're not getting what you're looking for, th this is kind of what I've talked about with Lane Thomas. If you're not getting the value that you expect, the value that you're looking for, then don't do it. Because at some point you have to trot a big leaguer out there and not just other guys that just happen to be, 
in your system and you don't have any other options. So I don't hate the idea of holding on to all these guys and just seeing what happens the rest of the season. Not like they're going to try to, you know, compete for a wild card spot or anything, but just to hold on to them for the future. I don't hate that either, but I, I you know, if they're going to move someone else, you know, I don't think Lane Thomas is getting moved. I well, let's talk about that for a second. I mean, I think it's kind of, at this point, it would be stunning if they traded Lane Thomas. And the only reason I say that is not because trading him doesn't make sense. I mean, it actually kind of does if you can get a, a good prospect back and you can get a good haul. There's been no noise on that at all. It's like his name came up a lot about a month, six weeks ago, and it's now as he keeps playing well. You don't even hear him linked. When I'm watching MLB Network or seeing some of the reporting being done on some of the best available bats, nobody even talks about him anymore, which tells me, you know, when reporters are doing digging that the Nats aren't bringing him up to teams a whole lot. Well, and to me, he just seems like someone that we've talked about this before with Rizzo. He loves the fact that he got him for John Lester on his last leg. And, you know, obviously flaunting that around is a nice thing when you're a GM and showing like, I got this guy for John Lester as he was walking out the door into retirement. That's pretty impressive. But I think if you look at it, if you look at what's coming up in the future for the Nationals, Patrick Corbin comes off the books after next season. And then outside of that, Grant, the only guy that would be making over $10 million would be Steven Strasburg. That's it. So I don't hate the idea of saying, all right, we got two more years of arbitration with Lane Thomas. What if we could buy that out and maybe give him two more years to his like age 32, age 33 season, have him be the veteran leadership in the clubhouse. And yes, he's probably going to take a step back. I understand that so many people are looking at this and saying, well, this is an outlier and it very well might be, but even what he was before, I think is a decent fourth outfielder. So look when Wood comes up. Look when hopefully Hassel gets here. Dylan Cruz, maybe Elijah Green in the future. Who knows? But all these outfielders start coming up. Sure, maybe he gets relegated to the bench. But if you're only paying the guys, what, six, seven, maybe $8 million, I don't hate the idea of having some veteran leadership there considering you're not paying anyone else at this point. And maybe they'll try to make a splash in free agency with some of that money. Who knows? But I don't hate the idea of keeping him around to be the mentor in the outfield for the young guys when they come up. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, by the way, we talked about how bad the bullpen was for about a week there and how things had settled in. In the last calendar week going into the Mets series, not surprising because of how well the Nats have been playing. Look at some of these numbers, though. Uh, three appearances for La Sorsa, two and two-thirds scoreless innings. Three appearances for Weems, two and two-thirds shutout innings for him. Two appearances for Finnegan, two innings of one-hit scoreless ball. Uh, again, this is over seven days. This is basically, now they haven't played a ton in that stretch, but this is, what, three, maybe four baseball games total for the ball club. Um, so they've been able to stretch, you know, some starters out and get a little more length. And because of that, really, of the relievers, they're using multiple times. I mean, Amos Willingham got hit pretty hard. He's now been sent down, no longer in the mix. So other than him, the only guy that's really given up runs is Jose Ferrer who by and large has been okay. I mean, when you call up a uh, rookie who in their system, non-closing reliever is only 23 years old, you expect some mixed bag results. And he's got a strikeout per inning through nine innings, but his whip has been really high, almost two. His ERA is close to six. I said this last year when he was in the Futures game. He's not a top-tier prospect. Like him being in the Futures game was misleading and kind of silly. Kind of spoke to just how bad the Nat system was. He's a seventh-inning reliever if things work out. But he's a lefty who was in the minor leagues, and it's at least good to get him to the show. But uh, I just like that 
you know, if you, if you looked at the bullpen numbers for last week compared to this week, it's just night and day. Uh, and it's a, it's a good sign. Cause it, I literally was thinking, Oh my God, man, they, they, how are they going to ever get outs from this bullpen again? It felt like at one point, like they could just pick people out of the crowd and they would have similar results. Yeah. I mean, it was getting bad there for a while. Like you could pick anyone and it wouldn't work out, but I mean, that's going to be the case with this bullpen for the rest of the year, outside of the guys that we talk about all the time, the three that you can somewhat trust is sometimes they're going to be good and you ride that hot hand. And when they start coming down a little bit, then it could get ugly, but just hopefully you got a couple of those guys that can be dependable at the same time.